Let us pray. Our precious Father, I want to thank you for the privilege you have tonight to gather, to study your word, to listen to your word. We trust you that by your spirit you will teach us, for you sent him to guide us into all truth. And you open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our understanding to understand the word of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, today we're talking about the spirit upon us. We started this last week, and then uh, our text is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You shall receive power. That's the underlying thing here. Uh, after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. In Luke 24, 49, our Lord Jesus affirms it again. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. The purpose is to be endued with power from on high. <clears throat> so, um, it's, it's important for us to understand why this thing happened and to be able to let God use it to fulfill the purpose for which uh, the power was given to us. We said last week that it come, we, we, God uses the overflow, the overflow of the spirit he gave us to do his work, to bless people, because God wants us to be full all the time. God wants us to be not leaking. God, God, we are vessels. If we are vessels, we can't be leaking vessels. Nobody uses leaking vessels to pour oil or put food. Nobody does that. God doesn't do that. So we cannot be leaking. We have to be full all the time. And if we overflow, it's what God uses. We, we showed it last week that even our Lord Jesus Christ is from his fullness that God was giving us the benefits of grace. Acts chapter 6 verse 5. And the saying pleased the, multitude, the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, See what I mean? Full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. God wants us to be full. Verses that are full of faith, full of life, full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace. So that in the overflow, the overflow is what God now uses to bless others. Now, the believer, apart from having received authority, when he came to Christ, he received delegated authority uh, to deal with the kingdom of darkness. We find that in Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will enjoy you. Having received that as a Christian, we have delegated authority to use the name of Jesus to deal with the powers of the enemy. All of us. Now, at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we now receive not just authority, we receive power. Jesus gave us authority when he was living this earth. Given to you power, authority. Authority is delegated authority. He gave us the authority that his name has to use through his name. But now, at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we received power. We receive power. I want you to see what happened here. He gave us his name to use, his name. The authority in his name, the Christian can use to deal with the enemy. 
But at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the power of the kingdom. We receive the power of the kingdom. And now we have received the power. The enemy is not even a match for us. He's not a match at all for the Christian who is now overflowing with the power of the Spirit of God. And so we should understand that if you don't know what you have, you'll be afraid. You can't be afraid when you're overflowing with the power of God. It's not a match for you. And number two is that this power is given to us so that we can do the work of the kingdom as sons of the kingdom. All the works that Jesus did, he did with the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So this spirit upon Jesus is the same spirit upon us and is the same thing we're supposed to do. Jesus said, the works I did, you can do. And you do much more because you are many now. You are many now. So we're supposed to be people who can say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because has anointed me to preach the gospel too to the poor. The poor meaning we, can't have, we don't have anything to buy the benefits of the gospel. He has sent me to heal, heal people, brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the people who are bound by anything. And then recovering of sight to the blind to preach the, the gospel so that the light of the gospel will shine and bring them out of darkness into the marvelous light of God. We can do it. We are supposed to be doing the same. <laughs> the same. Friends, the same. And now to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What does it mean? To proclaim the acceptable and acceptable, the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and free favors of God profusely abound. This is what we should tell people. We've been empowered to go announce it, that this is the age of grace. The mercy of God abounds. The favor of God abounds. You get saved by grace. Jesus already finished the work. We are supposed to be, this is what power was given to us to do. We need to recognize and acknowledge who is in us, who is with us, who is upon us, and by that, recognize his power. Because you can't, you can't separate his presence and his power. If it's, it's upon you, then his power is upon you. If it's in you, then his power is in you. If it's among you, then his power is among us. We need to recognize this. We need to acknowledge this. Thing. First of all, I said we need to really get engaged and and let him do the reason for which he gave us the power. But we need to, first of all, begin to recognize the presence of the Lord in us, among us, upon us, and his power at the same time. You know, the first thing about the faith is, you, he that cometh to God must believe that God is. So we must believe that Jesus is in us, is among us, is upon us. Let's see some people who really acknowledge this and what he did in their life. Acts 3, 4. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. See, 
recognizing what he has. When you are confronted with demonic powers, confronted with challenges, do you recognize what you are? Do you recognize who is in you? Do you recognize who is upon you? Do you recognize the power that worketh in you? Because it makes a world of difference. If you know that what you have can resolve your challenge, there can't be fear. He said, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, of not get up and walk. These people have just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They have received the power. He knows I have the authority. He knows I also have the power. So the, the, the kingdom of God has equipped us adequately. He knows we have the authority to use the name of Jesus. And Peter knows that also has received the power to do the same things he saw Jesus do, to set people free, to bring healing. He knew. Friends, the word of God is not, it's not given to us to play church with. It is truth, absolute truth, that we need to walk, we need to act upon so that the, the, the reality of it begins to manifest. If you don't act on it, it won't manifest. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Man, this man, this man says, you are with me, so why should I fear? You are greater than anything. You see the difference it makes. See the difference it makes. To acknowledge what we have. To recognize who is there. To recognize the power. The power. The power. Now, if you go around looking for power here and there, what happened to the one you have? Maybe you didn't really receive. Maybe your own wasn't real. Every Christian baptized in the Holy Spirit, genuine baptism, has received power. Peter said, I know what I have. This is Peter that denied Jesus before. Say, no, I know what I have now. Rise up and walk. We are sent to deliver the captives. We are sent to heal brokenhearted. You've been sitting here a long time. Get up and go. And so for us to be able to be doing this, we must be full of this power all the time. We must be full of it. Ecclesiastes 9, it said, let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Translated this, you must be totally filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to overflow it. Let your head not lack ointment. Ointment represents the power of the Spirit of God. But you know, <clears throat> looking at the body of Christ in the age in which we live, you wonder, <laughs> where is the power? We speak in tongues, but where is the power? If we should be real, where is the power? Isn't that the reason that people baptized in the Holy Spirit are flying all over the place looking for power? Is it not the reason? That, by that action, they're acknowledging that I received nothing. The reason is that some people may not really be born again. And some people really didn't receive the real McCoy, didn't receive the real baptism. They were just doing emotional something. But if we really receive the real thing, question is, where is the power? 
If I receive the rating, if by running around and flying all over and looking for who has the power, I'm simply saying by my action that I received nothing, I don't know what I'm doing. Either I received nothing or I don't even know what I have. Now we're going to look at some things that will make you live full of the spirit of God, full of the power of God. Full. Full. Number one is that you cannot live to fulfill other people's expectations. Friends, people have expectations of you. People have expectations of me. They have in their mind what they think I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to do them. Everybody has it. Even we, you and me, we have expectations of other people. This is the natural reality of living. People have expectations. We should have done it like this. Why didn't he do that? But who gave anybody that right to be determining how you live your life? When they are not God that orders your footsteps. Your footsteps. You didn't do it their way. Could be God don't want you to do it like that. And God won't go and get permission from them. And like I said, if you want to really follow the Holy Spirit, you are going to be persecuted. Seriously persecuted. Because again, you are not going to meet people's expectations. Everybody knows, oh, he should have done this. Why didn't he do this? Well, maybe God didn't want him to do that. Maybe God didn't want him. Even people will go to the extent of really, really, really being mad at you. Actually being so mad at you. Some won't tell you, but they are angry with you. Because they talk, he should have done this. Why is he not doing this? May God, God didn't want him or her. And if you are fighting him for that, you are fighting God that said, don't do that. You see how people put themselves in trouble without knowing. If you are living to please people, you will be spiritually weak. They will punch holes all over you. Because now you are pleasing this another person. Because you are other direct person, you can't say no. You are pleasing this person, this person. Because they know they punch you, they punch you, punch you. And you're spending energy doing this. You're spending energy. God is not going to replenish you. Because what you are doing, he's not involved. That's how people leak spiritual power. And then they are weak. They can't pray. Can't study, speak in tongues, starting. Because they've been exerting, using up their power, energy and everything, getting engaged in what God didn't tell them. Why? They want to please people. No, we live to please only God. And if you want to please only God, you are going to be persecuted. I'm saying it. If you are not being persecuted, you need to check your life out. The scripture says so that anybody who wants to live God in this world, want to follow divine guidance, that you will be persecuted. Galatians 1.10, obviously I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. See, that's what we should live for. You win the approval of God, not people. If pleasing people were my goal, I will not be Christ's servant. You can't combine both. Either you want to serve Jesus and please him, or you want to serve people and please them, but you can't combine both. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself. Carry your cross, they're going to persecute you. Carry your cross and suffer like me. If you can do that, then you can follow me. John 5, 41. I receive not honor from men. That's what, that's what we need to do. If you are the followers of Jesus, what do you do seeking for people's app, app so they say you're a good person? After they say you're a good person, but God does not recognize you like that, 
whose, whose judgment is more important? Is it the people of God? We are so, we like to, people to praise us. <laughs> we like people to say, ah, such a, this pastor is such a nice man. Such a, so now you can't, you can't say no now because you want to be a nice man and a nice man. Did you read the Bible? God said, whatever is so praised by among men is abomination to me. Because that person is already violating God because he wants to be a nice man, a nice man. And he says, so they praise all the first prophet. Nice man, a nice man. It's not bad that people acknowledge you and that you are nice. It's wonderful. But that shouldn't be what motivates your living. That shouldn't be what motivates what you do. That shouldn't catch your eye. What you should, the only thing catches your eye, does God want me to do this? What people praise you, don't praise you, does not, which will never be what motivates your actions. The steps of a good man must be honored by the Lord. And it's only the Lord who is the shepherd. I receive not honor from men. That's what Jesus said. I didn't come here for you to praise me. 42. But I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. 44. How can you believe? Quit receive honor one of another. And seek not the honor that comes from God alone. 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 There's honor from God alone. That's what you and I should seek. Divine approval. Paul said, what does it matter for you to be judging, judging me? He said, let's leave this. Since when the Lord comes now, he will know who is who. He said, I need to compare yourself with each other. He said, you are not wise at all. Let me say it again. Be, be, be very, very careful about praise of me. Very, very careful. It's so tempting to live for it. Very, very tempting to live for it too. And if they don't give it to you, 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 you start, you, you get angry. You really get, man, you get angry. Because that's why, you, that's, why, that's why you live. You're not living for the glory of God. You're living for your own glory. And when it's not offered you, man, you, you get off, you, you get mad. You know, these things define also. They really define. So if you are living for the honor of people, you are going to leak power because you are going to do things that God did not ask you to do. Look at our Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 12, 30. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divides the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Remember, Jesus preached, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, now this opportunity to be a peacemaker, I say, but who appointed me to that? You can't appoint me to that. God didn't appoint me to that. I seek only honor that comes only from God. Yeah, it's good to go and settle them, but God did not appoint me judge over that. He didn't send me to do that. I'm not going to be involved. As nice, as wonderful it is. Friends, these are the reasons we leak spiritual power. And we get weak. We pray in tongues. There's not. And this is, it's simple to understand. It's like spending your resources on a project God did not ask you to start. He will have no obligation to supply anything for that project. And you will run out very soon. And more is not coming from the source. Friends, I am telling you, if you want to follow Jesus, keep your eye on him. 
keep your eye on him only. And determine in this your life that you pursue honor that comes from God only. Again, the honor of men is very tempting. Very, very tempting. Very tempting. Another thing that makes us leak, leak power is living in the flesh. Again, pleasing ourselves now. When, when, when I'm pleasing myself and living in the flesh, I am not seeking honor that comes from God. I'm seeking to satisfy my own fleshly desires. John 3.30 said, for us to really have fullness of God, he must increase, but I must decrease. The Lord taught me this on Sunday morning. He said, if you want to have fullness of me, you have to empty yourself. You need to decrease. And if you take up of the space, where do I, what, what are you full of yourself? He must increase, but I must decrease. Christians should write it and paste it on their wall, paste it in their bedroom, paste it in their kitchen, paste it everywhere, so that they read it and say, yeah, I got to decrease. I got to decrease so that he will increase. If I don't decrease, he won't increase. Proverbs 35 says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to your bones. See? So when I don't lean unto my own understanding, I am decreasing. So his understanding will guide me. Something the Lord said to me, on, I think Wednesday, we are having fellowship. He said to me, he said, you, you, should learn, you should learn the wisdom of heaven. I forgot this, that how he put it. He said, you should learn the wisdom of heaven. The wisdom of heaven. I think that's where he put it. I said, Lord, wow, wisdom of heaven. He said, yes. He said, my wisdom is not your wisdom. But you should be guided by my wisdom. He said, learn to have the, to, he said, learn to have or learn to walk under the wisdom of heaven. I've forgotten exactly how to put it. Learn to walk under the wisdom of heaven, not your own wisdom. So if I decrease, I'm not leaning onto my own wisdom, then his wisdom has peace, has peace. It has peace until I'm full of it. Number two, we need to know the love of God for us. We need to understand the compassionate disposition of God towards us that, so that we can easily receive everything God is giving us. You must know that God values you so much. You want to know how much value God places on you? Look at the price he paid for you, his son. And tell me how much money in this world will equate to the life and blood of his son. God values us a lot, but the devil will try to make you think you have no value. You have value. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't go to a store and pay for garbage or trash. No, if you, have, if you are going to pay for 20 million for something, then that thing must have value. Then what God paid for you and for me is priceless. And that should let you know that if you could pay that kind of price on me and on you, then he, he wants to, he, he's yearning to give you everything that's good in, that will help you in life. He's yearning. Healing every, he's yearning. And that's why in Christ Jesus, he packaged it and gave to us. So we're heirs of the kingdom. Join heirs of the kingdom. Ephesians 3.19. 
and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, so if you have to know, you have to know how, that God really loves you, cares about you, yearns for you. Man, he's a good father. He, he has you in his mind. He said, but uh, I mean, I, where is he? No, he's been there. If not for him, you've been, been worse. If not for him, you would have been worse. Maybe even died. If not for him, you maybe you would have gone crazy. He's been there. You know what he prevented? They would have had. Did you hear our sister give testimony on Sunday? What God prevented? They didn't even. What God prevented? That would have wiped them out. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, because the Spirit of God reveals it to you, that you might now be filled with all the fullness of God. But if you don't know the love of God, you'll be thinking about God. You find it difficult. Your faith can, you might have faith, but it won't work. Because faith works through love. So you won't be receiving freely what God is giving you. And you'll be suspicious of it. Because you think, oh, maybe, maybe, or maybe not. Then you need to get involved in the main business of this empowerment. Which is to be a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 2, 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 8. And, and how here with every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born. Cretes, Arabians, verse 11. Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. What do you think they were talking about? They were talking about Jesus. They were talking about the wonderful things God had done in Christ. The wonderful works of God. So the Spirit of God wants to talk about the wonderful works of God. Because that's why he came. He wants to use our mouth to talk about the wonderful works of God. Every time you get, you get people get baptized in the Holy Spirit, they speak in tongues. He, wants, they, he starts talking. If, if, if the anointing of God comes on you, you start talking. Either you're singing, praising God, you're prophesying. It's normal. Either you're singing, praising God, or you're prophesying, or speaking in tongues. Because he wants to talk about the wonderful works of God that was done in Christ. He wants to, he wants to use you to praise God and magnify God. And that's what he wants to do. They were talking about the wonderful works of God. Which other wonderful works? It's about Christ. How Jesus had died for us, how he saved us. They were worshiping God and talking about what God did in Christ for us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to talk. He wants to witness. He wants to tell the world about Jesus. He is the chief, chief person who glorified Jesus on earth. Now, if you, if you, if you hinder him but not yield him to him, you grieve him, number one. Number two, you shut him down. And then you pray in the tongues, nothing is happening. You no power now. Ask for 29. And now, Lord, Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they might speak that word. You see what I mean? When you get engaged and you want to speak his word, you want to teach Bible Sunday school, you want to teach, teach a life center. As they say, we need life center. You say, yeah, I want to. Why? I want to speak his word. That's why he anointed me. He wants to talk. He wants to talk. I, he wants to talk. I'm going to teach life center. And before they say, do you want, you oh, no, my we are going for a witness. Yeah, he wants to talk. He wants to. 
He wants to talk. He wants to talk. Church, he wants to talk. He wants to tell the world about Jesus. He wants to talk. If you didn't know that, know it now. He wants to talk. He wants to tell the whole world about Jesus. If you are ushering opportunity, you say, I want to usher. Oh, the usher is the first responder at the church now. He's the one that welcomes people with smile. He wants to talk. He wants to show them how God loves them. The usher is the first responder of a church. They receive visitors. They smile. And some people come with pain. The usher is the first person that sees them and welcomes them with joy. You know, even sometimes help them to see it. Some who can walk, they help them. They may not be praying, but the, the, the disposition they show shows them that God loves them. He wants them to see it. So they want to speak that word. By stretching forth their hand to him, and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of their holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken when they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. What I'm saying? He wants to talk. If you don't want to talk, why should you, why should you manifest through? Why should you have overflow? When last did you talk? When last did you let him talk? He's urging you to talk to your friend. You won't. Again, you are afraid. You don't want to offend them. But he already told you, if you want to follow me, you're going to be offended. Your people will get offended. He said, he said people, he said they will get offended. If you want to follow me, carry your cross. You're going to suffer. They, they, you're going to be persecuted. But you don't want. And then you, you, you speak in tongues, nothing. Because you, everything is dormant. You don't want him to talk. He wants you to pray. You're, you're cooking soup. He wants you to pray. There's a need. Kingdom need. He's inspiring you to. He wants to talk. He wants to pray. You won't pray. Instead, you're calling your friends on the phone. He's prompting you to do it. You won't do that. You're calling. You're more interested in your friends. You know, your friends. <laughs> Honor from men. I said, a long time I saw this. This. He didn't come here for that. He wants to talk. He wants to talk. He wants to pray. He wants to show somebody how God loves him. He wants you to pray for the person. You don't know the person, but you are praying in the spirit. And one, six months, something along the line, you hear the testimony from the person. And you say, wow. When was the last time you, you preached the gospel to anybody? But he wants to talk. He wants to. When was the last time you were in a Christian? You contributed. You, you gave him your mouth to begin to contribute, to, to talk doctrine, to talk, to sing, to get different. When was the last time? So the praying, there's no power. He's grieved. You quench the spirit, and you're speaking in tongues. Nothing. These people say, want to talk. He said, yeah, he came on them again. And they went and said, they talk. And we should be talk, praying in the spirit always. Again, like I said, if you are not, if you are not, if you are grieving him, you are quenching him, all that won't work. Why should it come afresh on you? The one that came, not. That's what makes it that a lot of people but as in the Holy Spirit, nothing, no power, absolutely nothing. And all that entering plane, the same Holy Spirit you have grieved, the same Holy Spirit you have hindered, 
Is it not the same Holy Spirit you are entering plane looking for? You think when you go to um, uh, Jakarta, he will change? He won't. He won't. He doesn't change nothing. If you grieve him here, quench him here, he remains grieved. He remains quenched. If you like, fly to Abuja. If you like, fly to Lagos. If you like, be good. Wasting your ticket, wasting your money. You grieve him, you quench him. Flying all over the world is not what changes it. What changes it? You go to him and say, Lord, why did I grieve you? Why did I quench you? I pray in tongues, I don't see anything. What's happening to me? He will show you. I want to talk. I sent you to that person in your job. You didn't say anything. I want to talk. Why should I, why should I flow through you when, when you are not allowing me? Simple adjustment. You don't need to fly all over the world. Simple adjustment because he loves you. He yearns to help you. You have value for him, but you are not cooperating with him. Check what is happening. Speaking tongue, nothing. Nothing. Friends, if you understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it does, it's power. It's supernatural power. Jude 20. But you, my delightful love friends, constantly and progressively build up yourself on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the spirit. Yep. But we do. We do. But where is the power? James 4, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask and meet that you may spend it on your pleasure. Yeah, that's why. We are not thinking of what he wants. He wants to talk. He wants to heal. He wants to deliver people. That's why Jesus said he came upon me so that he can heal people. He can deliver people. He can bring them the light of the, world, of the truth. The blind, they make them see. That's what he wants to do. If you let him do it now, he'll give you more overflow. But no, it's from my, I live for my pleasure. I live for my pleasure. Where did we read it in the Bible? That following Jesus won't cost you anything. First of all, it'll cost you your whole life to start with. Your whole life to start with. There's no question. There's no, it's not one quarter or half. We just said you have to decrease. Your whole life, you gave it to him. Now, isn't what we say? Have you given your life to Christ? Yeah, bro. I gave it 15 years ago. He doesn't know what it means. He didn't give nothing. He has it in full control. He's one in charge of his life. To come to a new control. Okay, today, let's, let's study about the things of the Holy Spirit. We're going to start talking about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We call it the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Or the acts of the Holy Spirit, what it does. God wants us to know about the things of the Holy Spirit, what it does, so that we can cooperate with him again to use us to do what he wants to do. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Now, King James called it concerning spiritual gifts, but I went as far as 100 and something years back to look at those translations, and I found that what he was talking about is not really spiritual gifts as such. It's a concerning the things of the Spirit. Because if you read it, you find that it's not just talking about spiritual gifts. It started to talk about offices of the church too. So it's not just the spiritual offices of the church. So many ways that God manifests in, the, in, in calling, you know, appointing people to offices. The 
how you use these Christians to do this and do this. So that, the uh, Young's Literal Translation translated it like this, 1 Corinthians 12.1. And concerning spiritual things, that's a better translation. Concerning spiritual things, brethren, I do not wish you to be ignorant. Concerning, because it's not just spiritual gifts. Again, there are other manifestations of the Holy Spirit that those, those scriptures teach. The, the spiritual, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is nine, but it's gone further to teach other things. So it's concerning the things of the Holy Spirit, the things the Holy Spirit does, that, that takes care of everything. You know, they say, boboni, boboni, everything, everything. But now, before we talk about the things of the Holy Spirit, I want to warn us, because we are naturally excited about supernatural things very easy. And people very easily, very, very easily, without even thinking twice, attribute everything supernatural to God. Very, once we hear anything, especially we blacks, we Africans, once we hear anything supernatural, man, we were sold right away. Wow. We open our mouth, open, wow. Like, yeah, oh, my God. I remember one time in Lagos, our pastor, somebody came to give testimony, talking about how all the things were talking about how he, he and demons did this and did this. The place was roaring. Wow. Everybody, it was so interesting, so exciting, the testimony. But our pastor, oh, it's good to have a spiritual a pastor led of the faith. Our pastor was quiet. He quietly called the ushers. He said, when that woman finishes, arrest her. Don't let her go. She's fake. We were, we were all yelling, wow. The story was so interesting. Powerful. All of us were sold, except our pastor. And the ushers went and caught her, brought her. And said, tell us, why did you make up this story? And she confessed to them that she's been going to churches, telling this story, collecting money. The same story. My wife was there. If you hear that story, hey, yeah, you would, you would think, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. We also were sold on it. We were sold on it. We swallowed it hook, like, and sink, hook, Line and sinker, and join the chorus. We start telling her, start telling. What did you hear? What did you hear? Ah, man! You know the scriptures say that that's what baby Christians do. Baby Christians don't judge anything. They do the same thing kids do. Natural kids don't judge much. They get excited by colors and they get carried away. Spiritual babies do exactly this. I'm telling you. But this, this is what the scripture teaches us. Second Thessalonians 2. Now. The reason I'm, we're talking about this is because we're going to study the supernatural acts of the Holy Spirit. So they know the genuine and the fake. Second Thessalonians 2. Now. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Working of Satan. Working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. These people are gullible. They have no interest in pursuing the truth at all. There are people who have no interest in pursuing the truth. All they want is power. 
They want to watch why is it happening? Papa, Papa. They don't want to know the truth. Who is Christ? They are not they have no interest whatsoever. In their paradigm, it's not important. What's important is power. Such people, the Bible says, are going to be deceived very easily. They receive not the love of the truth. He said, that's why they'll be deceived. That they might be saved from all this deceit. To love the truth is your heart is after it. The truth is your treasure, your study. They don't want that. They want quick action, power. Many are like that. Second Corinthians 11.40. And no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into the, an angel of light. See what the Bible is telling us. He looks like a real angel of light. Therefore, it is no great, it is no great thing if his ministers, he has his ministers too, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. He said they look like the ministers of righteousness because the devil acts the same way. He's a deceiver now. First John 4, beloved, believe not every spirit, church, grow up. Stop being emotional. Stop being emotional. Follow the truth. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. You got to do that. That's my responsibility. You don't, anything you hear, my friend, pause and think and, and pray and say, Lord, is this you? Pause and think. He said, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many. I remember in Lagos, they used to fear stadium. They would come and go. Fear stadium. Check, check now. There are many of them who used to feel, feel crap. Thousands. Another group has come, taken over from them with a new name. Feel, that one has faded away. This is a new one. Everybody is there now. The, another five years, that one fades away. Another, the devil is wicked. Another one, another, thousands. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. First Corinthians 2.15. But he that is spiritual judges all things. Only spiritual people judge things. Baby Christians are body ruled. They are ruled by emotion, excitement. They don't judge nothing. Now, in knowing the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the acts of the Holy Spirit, you can, you can now know the fake one from the real one. Because the fake one will run cross-purpose with the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Because they cannot be in agreement. The fake one, the purpose of the fake one is always contrary to this, what the scripture reveals is the purpose of the real one. So let's look at them now. Number one purpose of this act of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he said, I want to talk about him. I want to glorify him. He came to, Jesus said he came to glorify me. John 16, 14. He shall glorify me. In everything the Holy Spirit does, he glorified Jesus. He shall glorify me. For, for he shall receive of mine. Show it to you. He'll show you things about me. Things about me. Because I'm the Savior. I'm the only hope of the world. God doesn't have plan B. Jesus is the only plan. Look at the example. Acts 3.12. 
And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power. You see Peter talking? As though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk. Say disclaimer. He said, this is a disclaimer. Ah, it's not my power. It's not my power. It's not my foolishness. Oh, no, no, no. It's not Peter. He moves the glory straight to Jesus. That's how you know the genuine one. The God of Abraham and, and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our father that glorified the son Jesus. He said this, this is for the glory of Jesus. Don't look at me, my friend. I'm a human being like you. It's not because I'm holy. It's not, no, no, no. It is for the glory of the Lord Jesus. That's what God did. Whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. He said, this is for the glory of Jesus. It's not Peter. Now, let's see the one that is for the glory of human beings. Acts 8, 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery. <laughs> he used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one. You see, when it is not to glorify Jesus, you hear names popping up and people are saying he is the great one. He is the power of God. He is the power of God. Go to him. He is the power of God. They are not talking about Jesus. They are talking about the man. Go to him. He is the power of God. He is the power of God. He says, giving now that he himself was the great one. He himself was the great one. Verse 10. To whom they all gave heed. You see, this is the man of God now. Everything, oh man of God. Everything he says. From the least to the greater is saying, this man is the great power of God. Let me say here and now, there is no human being that is the power of God. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is the power of God. There is no human being that is the power of God. We all say by grace, all of us. We are being used as vessels. The power doesn't belong to us. The Bible said, God has spoken once, why have I heard it? That power belongs to God. You can't separate God and his power. His, God is his power. Power is God. God is power. Power belongs to God. No human being is the power of God. None. First Corinthians 1.24. But unto them which are called, both Jews, Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. When it is the Holy Spirit, you will see that those things will be attributed to Christ and for his glory. And men don't take that they, they, because they know that it's not them. It points people to Christ. People give their lives to Christ. And the man or woman withdraws himself. Number two, it is given for all to benefit from, not to destroy lives. Because it's only the devil that destroys. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's for the profit of everybody. It will never bring something that will make you lose. And it's to defy the body of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 8. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord had given us for edification. Even the authority God gives in church, the position of the senior pastor, the pastors, leaders, he said everything God gives is to, for edification, is to build up the body. 
and not for your destruction. You can't give people prophecy that destroys their life, ruins their marriage, ruins their children. He said, it's not God. It's not God. We've just seen it here. It's not God. First Corinthians 14, 12. Even so, for as much as you did, you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the defining of the church. He builds the church up. He builds the Christian up. He helps the Christian. Not ruin him. Not ruin him. God does not come in public to expose you and to do all these things. That's not his nature. It's not, he does everything to defy you, to help you out. But not to come in public and expose you and say, yeah, this what you. The person saying it, doesn't he have seen his life? Why is he not exposing himself first? I see how it feels. Keep prophecies that ruin, ruin, ruin lives. Destroy families. Cause confusion. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. They say God, so thus said the Lord. But all it does is cause confusion in a church, cause confusion in the congregation. The congregation, their pastor is leading them and is the angel God has appointed over that church. But they come and bring prophecy that contrary to their, what they are teaching. They don't even want to hear. They are after the Holy Spirit told me. Well, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Jesus said, if they are not gathering, they are not working for me. You should know the fake ones, because we come to divide, to cause, oh my God, they divide, they destroy marriages. Verse 18, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't serve Jesus, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Again, the simple man. I remember when I, when I got married to my wife, one so-called prophet came and told my wife that I, I'm like this, I did this, I, everything was telling my wife. So-called prophet. Because we are, then I was going to one prayer house. Fake. I was my friend. And most of the things he said, lies. Laying foundation to ruin my marriage at the beginning. At the beginning. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ. Can't you understand? You are going out for evangelism. They, they are going out for another thing. They, among you, this is your purpose. The church is going. No, they are doing another division. That's demonic. You should know even, you don't have to ask questions. You should, immediately you see these things that the Spirit of God says, when you see them causing division, don't have anything to do with it. Don't follow them up. And then, they bring fear on you. God does not bring, the ministry of the Spirit of God will never bring fear. If you hear God abuse your faith. Second Timothy 1.7, for God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. There's somebody, they were some, they're playing something. My son Rugo came and said, Daddy, 
This thing they are talking, this testimony is so fearful. I said, it's not God. It's the devil. And it's again, it's about the devil, the kingdom of the devil. We hear it, you know, people, like I said, gullible people, they are all open ears. But when you start teaching them what God did in Christ, they won't hear. But once you start talking about the devil, hey, they are all ears. Why? The Bible says they don't love the truth. They're not interested in knowing the truth. Who is Christ? Prophecies that make you afraid, make you afraid, make you, you go sleep. It's not God. They come and tell you, your grandmother is a witch. And they put fear and divide homes. Somebody starts disrespecting the mother. The poor woman doesn't know what they're talking about. He says, your brother that caused this. You know your brother caused it. They know and all those kind of things is not God. It's not God. God does not bring fear. He does not sow discord. If they are discord, it's not because God says, it's because somebody believes in the Lord Jesus and then they start persecuting him. They, start, they, they persecute you because of your faith. Not because you came and telling prophecy that would separate husband and wife, prophecy that a brother will talk to a brother, prophecy that a sister will talk. You just put the whole up. So there are many families that are in two months today because somebody stepped in and gave them one useless prophecy before they were together. Now they are at each other's truth. For God had not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, of love, of love, and sound mind. Behave like a human being. Again, is it of money, material things, or is it about Christ? Second Peter 2 2. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. They have no sense of sacredness. Their conscience is dead. And because of these teachers, the word of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago that destruction will, be, will not be delayed. Everything is so. You have to sow into me. Sow into me. Sow into this. I say sowing, 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 sowing. And collecting money. And normally you find a lot of immorality in those things. Immorality in those things. Second Peter 2, 2. Many will follow their evil teaching. Many, not few. And shameful immorality. Many, not few. And because of these teachers, the word of truth will be slandered. Did you see that? In their greed, they will make you clever, make up clever lives to get hold of your money. Matthew 7, 17. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce any bad fruit. The bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions, by the life they live. We are not hidden from people. No matter how I want to hide my life, Everybody here knows me. That they don't tell you doesn't mean they don't know you. He said you can identify people by their lives now. 
the one major way, and you have to take this one home, one major way that you can know the fake from the real is the doctrine they teach. Don't go away from this one. This doc, the doctrine is key. And I'll tell you why. If the doctrine is not biblical, then that miracle can't be the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can only confirm the word of God. If that is not doctrine of God, it's not the word of God, then that miracle is not the Holy Spirit. He can't confirm the lies of Satan. It has to be Satan confirming his own word. That's why doctrine is important. Don't look at all those. No, no, no. I want to know what you're teaching. I want to know what you believe. Because that would tell me if this thing I'm seeing is the Holy Spirit or not. First Timothy 4, 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Every Christian must, must hear this. Friends, check out the doctrine. Oh, check out the doctrine. If you don't, you wreck your life, wreck your faith, destroy your life, end up where you didn't plan. Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 16, take heed unto thyself now and unto the doctrine. Be careful about the doctrine. Why? Continue in them for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself. Otherwise, you finish you. They wreck your faith. Save thyself and them that hear ye. So if you want to save yourself, Timothy, check out the doctrine. Don't join because crowd is there. Check out the doctrine, Timothy. If you don't do this, you can get it hooked up to doctrines of demons and they'll wreck your faith. First Timothy 4.1 tells you why he's telling him this. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith. You see why he's telling him? Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils. That's why he's telling him. That some people who used to be sound in faith are going to depart from the faith, listening to seducing spirits that seduce them and doctrines of demons. That's why. Remember, I said many false prophets are gone into this world. He used to, he used to sit, he used to hear sound doctrine. Now it's no more interested because that false doctrine has gotten hold, hold of him. It's a demonic seduction, a demonic pulling. You join, they didn't check the doctrine because they told you there's miracle. Hey, you sign up. It's seduction. Seduction. You sign up. You didn't care the doctrine. But the Holy Spirit said, hey, my friends, take it unto the doctrine so you don't destroy yourself. So you don't ruin your life. Oh, no, you won't do that. Again, baby Christians don't judge any. Okay, because you are not interested in knowing the truth. Bible studies you don't listen to. Sunday school, you're not interested. You don't want to know the truth now. So because you don't want to know the truth, you'll be deceived very quickly. <laughs> very, very quickly. Truth doctrine focuses on Christ Jesus, who is the living word, and in whom the plan of God is consummated for the salvation of mankind. The true doctrine focuses on Christ Jesus. Nothing else. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. The gospel is about Christ. 
the gospel is about Jesus. It is the power of God at work, serving everyone who believes it. The Jew first, also the Gentile. Romans 3.22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the good doctrine. And this is true for everyone who believes. The word believe. Just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just believe. No matter who we are. 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Through Christ Jesus. The true gospel tells you what God did for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2.1. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church in Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. Why are you agonizing? I want them to be encouraged and to knit, and, and, and knit together by strong ties of love. Then I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. The true doctrine teaches you that Christ is the only plan for your life. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Any doctrine that refocuses you from Jesus Christ is demonic. Because there's, no, there's no salvation in any other. He's the object of our faith, the foundation of our faith, the chief cornerstone of every doctrine that is of the Holy Spirit. He's the focus of every doctrine that's of the Holy Spirit. First John, I mean John 1.45. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophet did write, Jesus Christ, the son of Joseph. So we have found him. All, Moses wrote about him. The prophet wrote about him. He's the subject of the Bible. We found him. John 5, 53. Search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Say the scriptures talk about me. Why? In me is consummated the plan of God for your life. And you will not come to me that you might have life. You won't come. You think it's by any other way you have life? No, I give life. Ephesians 2.20. And I built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The, without him, the building is crashing. Any doctrine that preaches salvation by works of man and not by grace alone is demonic. It's not God. There is no salvation in any other. Not any other, including you, including me, including your system, your church. In, no salvation in any other. You can't find salvation in me, in you. Anybody that's presenting you as part of that salvation is, is lying. He's saying there's salvation in Christ and you know it's a lie. There's no salvation in any other. None. You can't find it anywhere else. Only in Christ. 
Galatians 1.6, I marvel that you are turned away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ. In the grace of Christ. In the unmerited blessing that God gave us in Christ. The grace of Christ. Grace of Christ. The doctrine does not teach the grace of Christ is false. You are called in the grace of Christ. To a, you say you went to a different gospel. Quit is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Gospel, good news about Christ. The grace of God that brings salvation. Any, any doctrine that does not promote the grace of God is not God. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you are saved through faith. Case closed. Salvation. You can't take away the gospel of grace. Because we are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourself. Any doctrine that makes salvation combination of Jesus and you is demonic. It's not of yourselves. There's nothing you do. No, up zero. All this going around telling people do this and waste of time. The people you are telling to do this are dead in sin and trespasses. They need life to come alive. They need Christ to come alive. What are they going to do to have life? Life already is offered. Jesus already died and said it's finished. I provided them life. All they need to do is to come. Once you believe in him, you, you are quickened. You are quickened. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord is saved. Life comes. That when somebody has life, he has awareness. That's why you can begin to teach the person about what it means to be a Christian. Titus 3.4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done. Let me repeat it. Anything presenting the works of righteousness which you have done as what will make God save you is demonic. We sing it, it's not by works of righteousness, but by his grace alone. But after singing it, we add, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's by his grace alone. This work of salvation was done by God in Christ from beginning to the end and offered to mankind. You just come and take what Christ has done. But after that, the kindness of love of God for God our Savior to us man appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. It's Bible. Would you write your own Bible? But according to his mercy, he saved us. Pastors, he saved us by washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior. Through Christ Jesus our Savior, he poured life into us. That being justified by his grace, you cannot set aside grace. You can't. It is free. It's unmerited. It's mercy. It's compassion. It's the love of God. Being justified by his, by his grace. Justified by his grace. I'm reading King James Version. We are justified by grace, not by works. For we have all sinned. We should be made here as according to the hope of eternal life. Friends, the true gospel 
is the message of our Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What God did for you and me on the cross, that the Holy Spirit came to witness and to teach us, to help us sit and accept it and, and enter into it. The Bible says he led us into this undeserved, undeserved, undeserved blessings only by faith. Paul never treated the grace of God as meaningless. Look at Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. I don't. King James said, I don't set aside the grace of God. I don't frustrate it. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Then we could have, we could have made ourselves good by changing our lives, telling God this, and then we make ourselves good. Then God would have given us a set of things to do so that we can't tell righteousness. But by deeds of the law can no man be justified before God. We are justified by grace only. John 1.16 and of his fullness have we all received. And grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came from Christ Jesus. He brought us grace, not the law. Brought us mercy, compassion. Number two, the true gospel promotes, true, true doctrine promotes godliness. First Timothy 3.6, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. True doctrine promotes godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife of words, whereof commit envy, strife, railings, evil surmises. Godliness through transformation into the life of Christ, produced by the Holy Spirit in us, as the vine and we are branches, is the true doctrine. Godliness cannot come by obeying the law. Cannot. For man doesn't have the power to be godly. Without Christ, we can do nothing. It's just like telling a branch to do something. What can a branch do when the wind is blowing? It will survive. If you cut it off from the, from the vine, it dies. That's exactly how we are. Without Christ, we can do nothing. Any doctrine that teaching you can do anything without Jesus is false. It's just like telling a branch you can survive without the, without the vine. You have, the branch won't have food. Nothing. If, if once you cut it up, the people take it away. But once it's being held by that vine, when the wind is blowing, it is that vine that's holding it. All it does is attach to that vine by faith. That will tell you that Jesus is the real cornerstone of our faith. So it's about godliness, but this godliness is your life being transformed into the life of Christ by renewing of your mind through knowledge and the activity of the Holy Spirit. The arm of the flesh will fail you. I was raised in a church that was very legalistic. You won't do this, you won't do this. You won't. I, it didn't change me nothing. After, after, at the end of the day, I was very, an established practice hypocrite. That was what he did. Because you can't change without the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 1 thing, for I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless life until the day of Christ's return. What matters? Verse 11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation 
the righteous character produced in your life by Christ Jesus. Produced in your life by Christ Jesus. Not produced by your effort and no, by Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. We cannot live without him. Galatians 6.14. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our confidence is. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified because of what he did on the cross. That's why I got a new life. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. That's what counts. Have you been godliness? Yes. How? You've been transformed into a new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit. In renewing your true knowledge. 16. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. That's the principle of the church. That's the true doctrine. Dependence on Christ. Dependence on the arm of the Lord. Dependence on the Holy Spirit. Who brings us revelation to renew our mind and bring us transformation. From carnality to spiritual life. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. See what I think? Only him can keep us from falling. Unto him who is able to keep us from falling. And to present you faultless before the presence of, of his glory with exceeding joy. Only him. Only Jesus can keep you and me. He is the cornerstone that, of our lives. If you remove him, we fall apart. Anybody telling you can do anything apart from Christ is deceiving you. Philippians 1 says, being, being confident on this one thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus. He began it. He saved us by grace. He's walking by grace. He preserves us. He keeps us. He guides us, he teaches us, he's transforming us. To him be all the glory. And so he takes all the credit. But there are some people who are not interested in being transformed. They have no, they have no, the Bible says they don't love the truth. Those are the ones that are being deceived. But you love the truth. If you, if you continue to say you shall know the truth, it will work for you, you shall be free. First Peter 1.5. Who are kept by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We are kept by the power of Kept by the power of So the Holy Spirit manifests only to confirm and glorify Jesus. When Jesus is not being lifted up, it's not being, it's not being preached, it's not the main, it's not the main focus. He will not, it's not, that miracle is not the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord walking with them and confirming the world with signs and wonders fully. That's how you know. Check the doctrine. If it's not about Christ, it's not teaching people that Christ is your cornerstone, it's your life, it's everything, to depend on him, focus on him. That thing is not the Holy Spirit. Because he came to glorify Jesus. He came to glorify Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the only hope of glory. There's no salvation in any other except in him. And he's the only one who can keep us from falling. He's the vine and we are the branches. And as the branch can't stand the wind of life, 
without a vine, we can't stand it. We don't have a chance. We don't have a chance at all. But those that trust in him will never be put to shame. Praise the Lord. Now let's talk about healing. Well, the key here this evening is to live, to have a persistent faith to victory. Friends, Matthew 10, 22 says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. You need, need to know that there is enduring to the end. There is enduring to the end. You have to persevere. Persevering faith is what gets it done. That's what gets it done. Matthew 15, 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. Because sometimes it looks like God didn't hear you. He's not here. No. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. For she cried after she's disturbing us. You see, the devil will come and sometimes and tell you nothing is happening. Stop. Nothing is happening. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lordship of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him. Man, this is a powerful faith. Are you kidding me? They, they didn't look like, like nothing. Instead of backing away, he came forward and worshipped him. He said, now this is the time to raise the stake. This is the time to raise the stake. He is going to do this. Is, my faith is him. I don't have any other person except him. He came forward and now, upped his game, and started worshipping. Instead of murmuring, complaining, the way they are treating me, what they said to me. No, no, he, he had all of that. But he said, he's the Lord. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, you are Lord, help me. Wow. Wow. Man. But he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the ground. And she said, truth, Lord, you will not lie. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. So even the crumb which you say this for us is enough. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. You persevered. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Supposing she, she said, I've been trying this and it's not working. The daughter will get worse. Will get worse. But she kept pressing. She worshipped. She came closer. Say, you are the Lord. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. Man, powerful. Mark 10, 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, a great deal. Say, this one went forward and worshipped. This one, he started crying. It, they said, stop. He said, stop, meaning what? No, no, no. He cried the more, a great deal, not small. This, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. What, make him, what made him stand still? This man's persistence. That woman's persistence. And commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be 
be of good cheer. They see these people who say to them, shut up, shut up. <laughs> no, that doesn't. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Be of good comfort. Rise, they call it. Verse 50. And he casting away his garment. I was told that this garment was a special garment that blind people wore. They had a uniform, so to say. So her expectation was, this, my sight is right now. He threw away the garment. He said, I'm not wearing this anymore. I am not wearing this no more. That's the end of the wahala. I'm not wearing no more. I'm not blind man anymore. I'm not blind man anymore. Cast it away. Such faith in the Lord Jesus. So he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What would thou that I shall do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith had made thee whole. He didn't say, Okay, I've healed you. He said, No, your faith. Your faith made it happen. Your persistent faith made it happen. And immediately he, he received the sight and followed Jesus on the way. At least God, he got saved and started following Jesus immediately. You see, this, this is really typical of our salvation. How we come to Christ and our eyes is opened. And they will start following Jesus. Our faith is tested to see how genuine it is. The enemy will see to that by resisting us. But we must put our feet down and fight back. We don't succumb to circumstances. If you succumb to circumstances, you begin to roll. That's, that's you roll to the bottom very quickly. Things get really deteriorating in a hurry. It deteriorates, and the more it deteriorates, the more difficult it will be for you to, to, to get back on your feet. You don't even, you don't even consider giving up. Because the alternative is what you, don't, you can't handle. Because it will get bad so quickly, I'm telling you. So you, you got to put your feet down and say, no, I'm not giving a chance. I've come this far. I'm not giving it. I'm not giving it this religion. You know? And then again, let's know that healing does not always occur instantaneously. Healing does not always occur instantaneously. But what I know is that the moment you start believing, it's putting your faith to work, that thing starts working. Sometimes the result is a week, two weeks. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it takes a month, two, three. Before it is fully, but you, with time you notice that the thing, the thing is improving, it's improving, getting better. It's not how it used to be. Mark eight twenty two, and he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. <laughs> and when he had spit on his eyes. And put his hand upon him. He asked him if he saw earth. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. See, he received his sight partially. Healing can be progressive, partially. He didn't immediately, I see well, no, partially. And he looked up. And said, I see men as trees walking. 25. After that, he put his hand again upon his eyes. See, Jesus came a second time. He asked him if he saw earth. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hand 
again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. But he started. Even with the Lord Jesus himself, that one touch did not give him clear vision immediately. It was progressive. There are a lot of reasons for that, but that's not what I'm here for. All I'm trying to say is to let us know that this healing can be progressive. The same thing with circumstances of life. You don't know how close you are. You, you never can tell how close you are to busting through into your mirror. You never can tell. And you've been standing on faith and the enemy is trying to discourage you. You never can tell how close you are. You never can tell. Verse 26. And he sent me away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell to any in the town. Remember, I brought him out of this town. Because this town is where they will not listen to him. There's so much unbelief there. He said, don't go back there. If you go back there, they'll talk you out of your miracle. I've been saying it here all the time. This not, look, if you want to really keep your miracle or get your miracle, shut your mouth. People will talk you out of it. Jesus said, don't go into that town. I took you out of that town because there's so much unbelief there. Brought you out and you got now he don't go back there. They will talk you out of it. They will talk you out of it. If we draw back, God does not like it. Hebrews 10, 38. Now, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall not have pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. See, when you draw back, you lose. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul, you can't draw back. Through faith and patience, we obtain the promise of God. Hebrews 6, 12, that he be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. It's through faith and patience we inherit the promise. There has to be patience. Walking with faith. Unfortunately, we, have, we live in a culture of, of a quick this, quick that, quick this and quick that. It doesn't work like that here. We need patience. Perhaps after you've done the will of God, you need patience. Abraham, example, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, what did God say? So shall thy seed be. He said, against hope, it was a hopeless thing, but he was expecting that what God said, God will do. 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He was not considering the challenges. He was not considering God. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness and not and now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us too, for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus out of the dead, from the dead. He said, this thing Abraham did is for us to learn. It was hopeless. But if God said it, that's it. I was giving glory to God. I don't, I don't know if Abraham went to special school of faith or anything, but it's a challenge to me as a Christian. If that man can believe to this extent, and in a hopeless, real hopeless situation, 
Simply because God said, so shall their seed be. Then why shouldn't I believe God? Hearing the word of God that God said to us in Isaiah 54, 53, 4, surely my sickness is sad, born, and my pains has carried them. And we have esteemed in place, smitten of God and afflicted. And he was pierced for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities, the testament of my peace on him, and by his bruise, healing his mind. This, this something God said to Abraham, so shall thy seed be. And God said to you and me, surely your sicknesses Jesus bought, and your pains has carried them. Is it not the same word of God? Is it not the same word of God? God said to Abraham, hey, so shall their seed be. Look at it. And the man simply believed that when there was nothing that would bring it about. Nothing. Why? Because he said, God is able to do what he said. So why wouldn't we now believe God? I said, God said, surely my sicknesses are born. My pain has carried it. And like Abraham, we give thanks. And don't look at the challenge. And just stay with patience and faith. Keep on giving thanks. Stay on it. Stay on it. Like Abraham stayed. Now, Psalm 103, which we read, is, is, is a forward towards what Christ will do for us when he came. That's confirming this Isaiah 53, 4. That's what David was writing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget what the Lord has done on the cross. Who forgives all your iniquities? Didn't Jesus pay for our sins? The Bible says that he delivered us from the penalty of sin. Why? Because he took the penalty himself. He pleased God to smite him. Because of our sins, because of our iniquity. Who forgives all your iniquity? Who heals all your diseases? Not some. How? That's exactly what he said in Isaiah 54, 34. Surely my sickness is at birth. My pain has carried them. I was so blessed by a young man, one of these RG people, giving testimony yesterday how she stood on this scripture and got healed. He said, I didn't have to ask God to heal me. All I did was to thank him. It's Abraham did. <laughs> Abraham said, well, God said it. Give him glory every day. He didn't have to go to God and say, Lord, remember, you are faithful, Lord, remember. No. If God said it, God is faithful, God is faithful, God can't lie. The man just trusted God. I was giving thanks. I mean, his situation was worse than the one we are all facing. This young man said, I just believe God, just give God thanks. And the thing left. I said, I was so excited. You know, when you experience the word of God work for you, your joy, Jesus said, I tell you this so that your joy will be full. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. So that when you experience it, you, your joy will be full. She had fullness of joy. And that encouraged me a lot. That tells me that people are hearing this word. People are hearing this word. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Why do you think your life will be destroyed? When he redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? And who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your mouth is renewed like the eagles? If God said to Abraham, so shall thy seed be. And the man believed it and said, yeah, God said it. 
What's stopping me from doing the same? Thank you, Lord. I had you. My benefits, those are my benefits. To you be all the glory. My life will not be destroyed. No, no, no. <laughs> Healing is mine. Thank you, Lord. So how about you? How are you feeling? Who cares? You don't care, no? Why? God said them well. That's it. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the word which you gave us, what you taught us, how to, you are preparing us because you are going to teach us the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So we don't be deceived by the things that attract people, by the supernatural things. You are teaching us so that we cannot wreck our faith because there are many false prophets. Thank you, merciful Father. And then encouraging us tonight to simply do what Abraham did. He was facing hopelessness, but he believed your word. And that's it. Only believe is all you want from us. Only believe. You don't want any other. What are we going to contribute to this? Nothing. Only believe, you said. And you shall see the glory of God. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. Because we know that you cause this world to enter into every hearer. Because it's your way for us to know the things of the kingdom and to know the truth that is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.